This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Well, good morning, everybody. I am Glenn Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for March 12th, episode 2137. Good morning, Horse World. When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday, and it doesn't get much better than best conditioned, and completing the challenge is the challenge... You're an endurance rider. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Uh, We apologize to any live listeners this morning. We had a bit of an issue with the live feed and getting it all set up. So we abandoned it and we recorded the show for you today. So for the people listening to record it, you didn't even know that happened. But I did want to apologize (laughs) to the live listeners. So Karen is here the second Tuesday of every month doing the endurance episode. We appreciate her being back. Jennifer is not here. So we'll tell you coming up on the show today, we're going to talk a little bit about lightning strike distance and how to tell how far lightning is away. That's important for all of us horse people. Then we have Distance Depot stopping by to talk about Annie Oakley's new products that they got in there. Mary Howe's going to stop by and talk about her AERC Hall of Fame Horse Award. We have a Nick Warhol coming on. He also got a partner award there at the uh, conference. And then Mike Mumford from Redmond Equine comes on to talk to us about Daily Gold and maybe to settle some of the myths and uh, controversies that have been going on about that. All coming up on today's show. We have a lot to pack in, so we're going to get right to it. Uh, Karen, the AERC convention was held this last weekend right yes it was and they announced the you know the yearly awards we uh awarded uh dr jim baldwin who's a veterinarian to the aerc hall of fame and the horse owned by mary howell count shiloh the hall of fame equine award and nick warhol and forever dawn a.k.a. Donnie, earned the Partners Award. Two of them, Mary and and, uh, Nick, are going to be on with us. Yes, and I'm working on uh, Dr. Baldwin. Uh, Hopefully, he will be able to come on on a future show. He's vetted me several times at Tevis and at other rides. I've also ridden with him, and uh, um, so I'm hoping we'll be able to interview him someday in the future. We also gave Steve Brodigan the Volunteer Service Award for the year and Helen Frenzel Kohler is the recipient of the Anpar Trails Preservation Award. And there was a big announcement too because of all the bad weather. How much snow did you say the one ski slope had? Um, Mammoth Mountain has over 50 has received over 50 feet of snow this season. <laughs> and you said they it, had to close because there's too much snow. <laughs> yeah, some of the ski resorts had to close for avalanche control and to dig the ski lifts out. It's <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous. It's been, it's been just insane. Even the ski resorts uh, that are close to me have over like 30 feet of snow. So it's like a, a tunnel to to get through some of the 
the roads here. It's, it's been wow. in, in just insane. So th- they decided to reschedule Tevis to be a month later. The new date is now August 17th. Oh, okay. So, yeah. that is that a first? I, I don't. Yes, I don't think they've ever rescheduled it. I know it's, uh, you know, there's been times where it's been canceled. And then one time it was actually, it was moved to October. Um but then that the ride was completely changed. So I think they're moving it uh, to be a month later, and then they are planning on running it uh, the traditional way from you know where it's normally you know started uh, at Roby Park and then finished in Auburn. So uh, hopefully by then that will give everybody a chance to actually condition their horses <laughs> yeah, this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you haven't done anything, have you? You've been snowed in. Oh, it's been it's pathetic. You know, there's a local ride this weekend, but it it's like you know the horses aren't ready, the riders aren't ready. Um, we are starting to ride again. I've I've been able to ride a couple times this week so far, so we're we're looking forward to getting you know getting our butts back in the saddle. <laughs> well, it's interesting too because you think Tevis is that far out of what July, and now they've moved it to August. Uh-huh. So, you know, that's how far they have to prepare in advance. And they know that with this amount of snow to for the runoff and the melt, um, right. it's going to be happening for a while. And then it is going to cause problems. There's going to be there's going to be rivers where there were never rivers before. Right. Uh, trail washouts yeah. and trees are going to come down on the trail that have to get removed and cleared. So there's a lot of work ahead. Yeah, well, to, to you know, you gotta you gotta ready. admire those trail guys, whether they're doing it for the horse trailers or the uh-huh. trails or the hiking trails. That's hard work. That's that's hard. It work. is, and yes, just getting to the, some of those trails because they're so remote. Yeah, it, it's a lot of work. Yes, there's going to be a lot of trail work that needs to be done all over the country. I think this year after this winter. All right, very good. Well, let's get so, right to our endurance tip the month. And this is something, Karen, that we have never talked about on any of our episodes ever. So I'm excited that you're talking about it, because even as a trail rider, or as a person that just is out and about hiking in the woods, you've got to deal with (laughs) thunderstorms or on your farm, right? I mean, how many times do we hear about horses dying from lightning strikes or people or whatever? Um, So what we're talking about the correct way to estimate lightning strike distance. I know because I have had it wrong all this time because I was taught to count like one, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand. And I thought, well, if we cut, if we, you know, and you were taught for every one thousand you do, it was a mile, right? Right. Yep. And so I'm thinking we could, we get, you know, count up to five. We're good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guess what? (laughs) Not quite. You know, it's funny because, you know, when you're standing on the ground, um, uh, you know, five miles seems, it's, it's very far away. Uh, you know, but but a does. mile seems very far away, when in fact it really isn't as far as the storm is concerned, because especially if the storm's moving 20, 30 miles an hour. And you're on an endurance ride, and so you're also going a few miles an hour. <laughs> That's and correct, I mean, I, yep. I can't tell you how many times we've been, you know, going as fast as we could to get off the top of a mountain on either a conditioning ride or during an actual endurance ride because there's a storm coming and now there's lightning. And I mean, I've been on rides where the lightning was so close, it was making the hair on the back of my neck stand up. 
And well, so, so what's the rule? What is the correct so, rule? Not the one so that the, we were taught twenty five years ago. <laughs> is I know is actually it's a thirty thirty rule. Okay, and so the first is thirty seconds. Okay. So if it takes less than thirty seconds to hear a thunder after seeing a lightning flash, you have a much greater risk of being hit by lightning. Because that means it's within six miles of your location. That's a long so, time. 30 seconds is actually a long time, you know? It is. When you count it out. Yeah. It is. So 30 seconds after a flash, it means that the lightning is about six miles away. Okay. Which is a little too close for comfort. So what they recommend you do, which Especially I know when you're on the top of the bald mountain with no <laughs> trees. <laughs> yes, or, or even out on the flat desert. Yeah, where, that's true. You know? And With no trees. <laughs> you just hope that, yeah, that it's it's your lucky day, I guess. <laughs> so, but so within thirty seconds, it's within six miles, and so they recommend that you take cover and get out to you know find some sort of shelter. I know this is really hard to do if you're out riding a horse and you're out in the, like you said on the top of a mountain or in the middle of nowhere in the wilderness. And they say what you're supposed to do is lay down in a ditch or a gully, but what do you do with your horse? I know. Yeah. Exactly. He's he's so, not apt to lay down in the ditch or gully on command. He's probably not going to do it. No, uh, I know. Yeah. And so they want you to take cover and shelter for and stay there. This is the second 30 of the 30-30 rule is to stay under in the shelter for 30 minutes after you hear the last thunder. What's interesting here in Florida, too, is we get pop-up storms, so which means they really build right over your head, and they don't move anywhere because we have no wind, right, in the summer. So they build right over your head, and you'll hear, you get no warning, and you hear that first crack of lightning is, a lot of times, it'll, it'll take you right out of your seat because there's been no uh-huh. thunder at all. Right. Um, and so, you know, that lightning strike could be within a mile of you, and it'll be the first one you hear, and it, it just scares the crap out of you because there's been nothing. Exactly. So, yeah. So exactly. I I like this rule here. So it, it, to go down the list, if thunder is heard five seconds after the flash, so you see the flash and then you hear the thunder, you're one mile away. Where <laughs> we always thought you were in the old days, you were five miles away. Uh-huh. Uh, um, <laughs> one mile is not far when a storm's moving as fast as it is, and you're moving as fast as you are. Exactly. Yeah. And <clears throat> I can't count how many times I've been on an endurance ride, and we are headed straight into the eye of the storm. <laughs> Which, so many times. And of course, as endurance riders, we just go do it. <laughs> and the hikers will tell you, you know, the long distance hikers will tell you, it's not the lightning that will get you, it's the tree branch it takes off. Uh, oh. Or the splintered tree uh-huh. that will right. will take right. you out, you know, that will land on your head and then you're done. So, right. Well, yeah, yeah, we ride through the forest and we see all the trees that have been previously hit by lightning. Right. And they it's tend like, to shatter into 50 million uh projectiles yeah yeah. <clears throat> yeah yeah we had a tree hit right here in the farm right inside our house and it just shattered it there were pieces everywhere oh wow so that's another thing you have to worry about not to it, it scared the crap out of your day here on endurance day the, so 10 seconds after the flash you're two miles 15 3 20 seconds 4 25 5 and then 30 seconds 6 so that gives you a little bit better idea so what do you do do you just keep riding and pray that's kind of what I've done so far. I never realized that we were that close. But, I mean, there's been so many times where, you know, you hear the 
the thunder and then you see the flash like within a couple of seconds. And, and I think a lot of us just never realized we were always thinking it was much farther and that everything was okay. But now I'm going to rethink Do you that. tend to want, if it's really bad, will you just get off your horse and walk at that point? Uh, you know, I haven't gotten off, but I have ridden quickly to try to get down off of a mountain. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, there's been plenty of times, I mean, more than I can count <laughs> on all my fingers and toes, um, that I've been way closer to lightning than I ever realized. And we um, had that story, what, a couple of years ago, we had the riders on who were in Thailand or wherever, and they were in the uh-huh. middle of the forest and lightning hit right beside them. Um, it was a crazy story. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. we had one guest that, that she was on uh, one of the... The rides. I think it was the Grand, one of the Grand Canyon rides, and the lightning hit so close that the next thing she remembered, she was off of her horse. That's a lucky day <laughs> that you survived that. I know. Well, the shockwave, if it lands that close, it's probably going to be the shockwave. Uh, I know we were in our house the one time when we were kids. I remember this distinctly. I don't know why. But we were in our house, and we were upstairs bedroom, and it, it was the bedroom that was right beside the chimney. The chimney was right outside that window. And lightning hit our chimney and blew bricks for about a block all over the place, and the neighbor's uh-huh. yards everywhere. I mean, talk about loud. I mean, it hit right beside us and blew the chimney all to pieces, and we were in the room right there. So we were lucky that time, too. And how are we still all alive? I know. I got it to one more lightning story to tell you. So we're we okay. had a big we had a big house, big farm in Newville, Pennsylvania, and we were having a wicked storm to the point where tornadoes and stuff, and we went into the basement. Well, we had a the house was so big we had an all house, it had a business phone system. And in the basement it had a phone line. Well, Jennifer just was leaning against the wall down there, happened to be right under the phone that was mounted to the wall. And lightning hit and blew out all of the appliances in our house and blew out the phone (gasps) system. And the phone right above her head went pow, right above her head. Uh, And he's he's talking about scare the crap out of all of us because we were beside the washer dryer and the phone and they all blew. So, oh my gosh. So, <laughs> that was an expensive lightning strike, by the way. Um, we replaced a lot of appliances, and the phone system was like $5,000. Oh, no. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Sounds like you're just even more lucky than I am. <laughs> well, and her brother's been hit by lightning three times. Um, he Wait, was in special forces. Three? He was in special forces, and he was the radio guy. Oh, my gosh. So he's actually been hit by lightning three times. Um, so he's lucky to be alive, too. But he'll, if he has enough to drink, he'll tell you those stories. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so there's the rule. If it's a 30-30 rule, as Karen explained, and also if it's five seconds or less, duck. Because, uh, uh-huh. y- yeah, it's coming. <laughs> you're close. Yes. Your chance of getting hit is much greater yeah. if it's within five <laughs> seconds. It's... Um, and, and hopefully you're, you're going to be luckier than, or as lucky as Glenn <laughs> and not get hit. <laughs> well, let's go next to this and Steve. I don't think Kristen has anything scary to talk to us about today. So we're not <laughs> going to terrify you with Kristen. She's just going to talk about some nice new products. Well, good morning, Kristen. Thank you for joining us again. And we're looking forward to hearing about some new products that you have. Good morning, Karen and Glenn. 
Yes, um, we do have some pretty cool new products. Um, we have a new product by Annie Oakleaf, um, fragrances. If your listeners aren't familiar with them, they have terrific fragrances. Um, and this particular new product that we brought in is a Don't Touch Me spray. And it's basically just what it says. <clears throat> Pardon me. It is a um, bug repellent and clinically tested to be more effective than DEET. However, it only contains rare essential oil isolates. So it's safe for you, for your horse. You can spray it on your clothes, on your body, on your dog, um, and it smells fabulous. Um, It has lemongrass in it, citronella, peppermint, Mm. rosemary, cedar wood. It smells so good. There's all kinds of other things in there, too, but um, it smells really good and, and I can't wait to test it out. Um, they really say it is more effective than DEET, so, but so much safer for you and your critters. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. Um, some other nice things that we've brought in, the spring line of carrots. That's always a popular line with the endurance riders. We have a new pocket performance tight. Um, we're working hard to get these new products online. They've just come in. So this tight, of course, has great big pockets for your cell phone and other goodies that uh-huh. when put in the pockets they don't fall out yeah your ride map and vet card yeah yeah, that you need to have to be able to get to easily that's terrific yeah and they have some fun designs a a jade chevron and a blue chevron so their their style is always really nice of course they have their ice fill line too so we have new tanks and new ice fill headbands all for when it gets a little warmer still a little chilly here in missouri but we're all thinking spring <laughs> yes think spring yeah, exactly. <laughs> warmer weather yay right. we're looking we're all looking forward to that and getting out and riding and trying out some of these new things and i think i'm actually looking forward to having bugs <laughs> so uh. exactly that'll be nice won't it (laughs) we're all over winter that's for sure so if anybody's interested in ordering any of these items or looking at your product line how would they go about it they can visit us at www.thedistancedepot.com click on new products and you should find all of the new line there great and what's your phone number 866 863-2349. Terrific. Thank you, Kristen, for joining us again. Thanks. Have a great day. Thanks, Kristen. Our next guest is Mary Howell, whose horse Count Shiloh was just awarded the AERC Hall of Fame Horse Award. Shiloh has... 5,480 miles. He's done 15 one-day 100s and has uh, participated in the sport of endurance for over 18 ride seasons. So welcome back to the show, Mary. Thank you for joining us today and congratulations on your award. Thanks. I really appreciate it. Um, He didn't have as many miles or accomplishments as some of the previous Hall of Fame recipients, but what we felt made him unique was the number of different riders he carried in competition, including people doing their very first AERC ride. I know that's amazing. It's just, you know, you can't compare every horse is an individual and it's just, it's, um, you know, he, he definitely is a amazing horse. So tell us how did, how did you come to get him? It was almost a divine intervention. 
this was back in the days before the internet, and I bought a trading post, and my eye immediately lit on the ad for a three-year-old Eon Trails half-quarter horse. I never looked at any other horses. I became close friends with my friend, Trace Lawson, who bred him, and we've remained friends ever since. Literally from the moment I started boarding him, he was always easy to ride and sensible and had a couple of weird little traits, like he loves to drop and roll in my puddles. <laughs> to be careful and keep a, a tight grip on the reins, he'll, he'll get you wet. But I, uh, I had his number after the first time. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. So is he, he's uh, part quarter horse and what else? Yeah. Trish owned his dam, who was a foundation stock quarter horse mare and had had several foals. When Daisy Tankersley sold um, off some of her extra stock from the move from Maryland to Arizona, Charles Sire was a two-year-old, and he didn't remain a stallion very long, but Charles was the result, and he was a, almost a 12-month foal and very large. Good thing his dam had had a couple foals before. So his big bones were evident from the day he was born. Oh, okay. <laughs> So you've had him since he was very young then? Yes, and I did not know until I had him almost a decade um, the details about his Arabian sire. I didn't know he was uh, from the Almara breeding program, and uh, everything made a lot of sense when I realized at that point he had a pretty impressive career and a lot of 100-mile finishes, plus, you know, his personality and, you know, easiness to travel uh-huh. and ride. So, it, you know, the, the good breeding proved itself. <laughs> right, right. And he's a chestnut? Is that correct on yeah, his coloring? Yeah. Okay. I, um, when I was three, my parents took me to Colonial Williamsburg, and I think I got imprinted on that color. All my horses are <laughs> chestnut. I really, I like the fact that it hides dirt well when I'm needing to clean up a horse for a fox hunt, and I just think uh-huh. it's a cheerful color. So I love, I love Shiloh's color. Yes. How old is he now? He's going to be 27 in a couple oh. of weeks on the 29th of March. Oh, okay. Wow. Wow. And so tell us a little bit about his career. How, you know, where well, did he get I started? I and- about Tevis and the Old Dominion, again, in the days before the internet, in a book about horses. And, you know, just one sentence was devoted to distance riding. But I live here in Virginia, and I thought, wow, that must be amazing to ride a horse 100 miles. I um, had always fox hunted growing up, and I uh, used Shiloh as the staff horse for a local fox hunt that gave him great um, long, slow distance miles, you know, during the winter months. And then I did some pleasure trail rides and a couple of Natrack competitive trail rides when he was four, five, and six. And my first AERC completion on him was um, when he was seven, and uh, he did great and couldn't wait to try 100, which I did a year later. But Biltmore was his first 100, and Old Dominion was his second. Oh, neat. And um, I was younger then and and, um, didn't always have crew, but an experience that I really enjoyed uh, back then, the um, East Coast team included from Florida to Vermont and I had friends from Virginia that encouraged me to try out. So Shiloh actually made a team at the FEI level in 2001 and competed in Vermont. And also in 2003, he finished uh, very high up on two different hundreds. That was the way they, you know, selected the team uh-huh. back then. And right about that time, after 
boarding him for several years, I had an opportunity to get some land and I needed to make a decision between, you know, going out to Trout Lake, Washington for the 2003 Pan Ams or finally having my own horse place. And I chose the latter. I have no regrets. I gave the place <laughs> up to a friend. And that meant I could start owning other horses because, you know, one horse is never enough. <laughs> right. <laughs> I needed Tyler to get a little rest. And as I was trying to find a horse of his caliber, I suddenly had the ability to provide him to people I knew who, whose horse was, you know, not able to be used for the sport or just people that wanted to learn to do endurance. And so that, that's what enabled the sharing of Shiloh. I, I always had felt like he was, you know, such a great horse. I shouldn't keep him all to myself. Yes. How many different riders has he had? On endurance rides. 21, I think. Um, I, I wow. had a lot of riders for things other than endurance. Um, he was in a TV movie shoot. He was uh, did some team penning. He's got a lot of cow scents from his quarter horse dam. Um, he's fox hunted for years, um, done trail rides, um, you name it. And um, the, the different riders, um, a couple of them were young riders. Um, my friend Lisa Seth Hunter and a young lady who got started in the sport from West Virginia. Oh gosh, I'm throwing a blank on her name, but she's she, she's still competing. And a couple of people wanting to go to the Mongol Derby that had never done more than you know five five or ten miles at a time. Uh-huh. And um, I had two older friends that used Shiloh. Laura Horst was looking to ride in as many states as possible, and the ride manager in New Jersey. Um, knew I, I was learning Shiloh out. And by meeting Laura, I secured the most wonderful crew ever when a couple years later I was able to do Tevis on one of my other horses. Oh, cool, yes. was getting a little old oh, at that okay. point. Yeah, I know so Laura. I got, yep. Uh-huh. And uh, she does know, know about this, even though she's not on social media. Another friend I met when I was managing the No Frills ride was uh, Deck McCain, who's also been an AERC member for decades. And Laura rode Shiloh on his very last 50, and Deck rode Shiloh on what I'm pretty sure will be his very last LD. I think he does need to retire now. Um, but it was such a great day last November because Deck um, and Shiloh set a perfect pace for my four-year-old that needed to um, have a little inspiration. He could be a little on the lazy side. So Shiloh kind of showed him how it's done, and we had a great day. And um, Deck is also uh, uh, pretty pleased that Shiloh got recognized. And so, how? What are some of his best attributes? Would you say um, he's an empathetic horse? I've had a lot of challenges with my career and personal life, and Shiloh has been a constant in my life for a quarter century. Shoulder to cry on. Literally, you get on him and ride, and you feel better. I don't know how he does it. It's like a sponge that he just pulls all the sadness out. And he has a sense of humor. He'll kind of push me with his head when I'm being all mopey and he'll be like, get over it. You know, it's a beautiful day. And I, you can almost hear the little thought balloon. Um, he does have one nickname, grumpy old man. And that really <laughs> comes at beating time. This horse really likes his, his meals and do not be late. And um, <laughs> he'll, he'll stare at you when I'm at the kitchen sink and he'll bang on the fence to get my attention. He's, he's pretty good at, he's also pretty smart. Um, when I first moved the, friend that used to board him for me lived about 14 miles away on back roads 
And he let himself out and went back to her house in the wee hours of the morning because he wanted some peppermints and I wasn't getting the job done and giving <laughs> the peppermints. So y'all always remember getting that call from Jackie. Yeah, Shiloh's here and I'm feeding him peppermints. <laughs> um, when it came to other people riding him, I have to be honest, there came a point because we raced a lot of our rides. I, I had a lot of top 10 finishes. More than half the rides I did with him were top 10 and we won 11 rides, including Biltmore twice. And it was hard to flip the switch off and, and have him go a little more sedate when, mm-hmm. when I rode him. But when other people rode him, he was a perfect gentleman. And um, one of the riders that I was delighted to loan him to is actually my replacement on the AERC board, uh, Don Hilliard from Pennsylvania. And uh, I also... Um, Loaned him to several ride and tie friends. Shiloh loves ride and tie. He, oh, he gets neat. a real kick out of standing uh-huh. tied to a tree, and then when someone gets on him, he gets to kind of gun it, and he likes uh-huh. it. So he did a couple of ride and ties last year. Um, my friend Lily has cerebral palsy, and it makes it a little hard for her to do a whole LD. Her one leg is a little weak, but she's used Shiloh for drag riding at several different East Coast rides. So he understands that job too and takes really good care of Lily. And so we often bring him along as a buddy horse when Uh we're uh, traveling. Sure. I'm sure he likes that. It's hard. (laughs) I know it's hard to leave him home when you know they love going so much, isn't it? It is, and he gives me that guilty look, like, what did I do wrong? So I actually have a close friend with an elderly horse, and uh, when the the grass comes in, Shiloh's going to go stay with um, Dana for the summer and not have to be tortured every time I take the others away and leave them behind. So, um, But, again, I made the point when I was in Reno and accepting the award that as a ride manager, I've often been approached by people wanting to borrow a horse because they're what theirs wasn't ready or they you know didn't have one and i think there need to be more shilas in our sport to help uh keep our sport going strong and and uh, give people that are thinking about it a chance to experience the trail with a you know partner that kind of knows the drill and knows how to behave in the vet checks and then if if they know right. the sports for them then they can more confidently go out and look for a horse of their own and so that was Honestly, a lot of the thought in asking different people who've ridden Shiloh to nominate him, I, I feel very strongly about the power of endurance to help mm-hmm. shape your life and introduce you to people. I mean, because of Shiloh, I have a whole different life than I would have. And that's my greatest wish is that more people will, you know, with older horses that maybe can't do the longer distances, will consider loaning them out and making them available to people in need. Sure. Yes, it's those great old campaigners it's great because they're you know they're so wise and so smart to be able to teach they make it easy and, they make, yeah. yeah it's a lot to have a new horse and a new rider trying this sport there's there's um it is success. right the learning curve is a lot more steep <laughs> when everything is yeah. new yes yeah and then when they go out and look for their own horse they'll sort of know what you know what they're looking for they'll, they'll have had that experience exactly the 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 right kind of you know temperament and personality and 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 all of those things well he sounds like a really cool horse i'm so excited that you won the award and uh that you've been able to experience a horse as fabulous as shiloh in your life mary Thank you. all of us here on the east coast are pretty excited it's it's you know 
harder to get miles on this part of the country because we don't have very many pioneer rides. We do have a brand new pioneer ride, a five day up in Maine this July. Uh, but yes, the, um, um, Yes, well, means so much to so many people who know him. We're, we're all excited. Yes, well, you know, 5,480 miles is nothing to sneeze at, especially over 18 ride seasons. That's uh, yes. that's an amazing record. So congratulations to you Thank and you. to Shiloh. Give him a carrot from uh, for oh, us. Many, many, many carrots. Many carrots so and hugs. <laughs> Five pounds well, is about what he, what he would like if he could speak. <laughs> Thanks I again bet. for giving I me bet. a chance to share my story. I appreciate okay, it. Okay, thank you. And Thanks, have a Mary. good day, Mary. Thank you. you. And let's talk about Renegade Hoof Boots, which are my favorite boots to use on endurance rides and training rides. They are made in the United States, actually, in Arizona. They come in several different colors, so you can match to your tack. Uh, if anybody needs help, just go to renegadehoofboots.com and you can send them a message or look up their phone number and give them a call. They're more than happy to help riders uh, fit and size the boots and work out, you know, if you're having any troubles with, you know, fitting or, or whatever, they're happy to help you with making adjustments and getting everything set up right so that you can be success- successful using their boots. Um, it's, uh, I mean, I'm very happy with the results I've had from using the boots over the last dozen years or so with my horses they do well uh in all kinds of terrain i've done hundreds i've even completed tevis with their strap-on boots they've also got a glue on boot model that people can use if they want to just simply glue the boots on you know for say a week-long multi-day or a camping trip or a ride like tevis or whatever you you have that option available as well um and I know I saw at the convention that they've got some new colors like purple and blue. So if anybody's kind of wanting to, you know, get into the new colors, go check it out. Renegadehoofboots.com. Our next guest is Nick Warhol, who's an endurance writer who's been writing since 1991. He's got nearly 13,000 miles and has completed 23 one-day 100s. His horse, Forever Dawn, a.k.a. Donnie, was just awarded, along with Nick, the AERC Partners Award. And Donnie has 6,295 miles with 13 one-day hundreds. Uh, Congratulations to you and Donnie, Nick. And thank you for joining us this morning. Sure. You're welcome. So tell us, how did you you come to get Donnie, Forever Don? Well, he found me, actually. Uh, It's one of those great stories. We have some really good friends, Rana Barbara Sanchez from California. And I was at their ride, riding Ziandi, the Hall of Fame horse, and we were retiring him. It was his last ride before we retired him. And I told Barbara at the finish, he's retired. And she said, what are you going to do for a horse? And I said, I don't know. I've been riding this one so long. I hadn't even thought about it. Uh-huh. So she called me. She called me a few days later and said, we have this gelding you should come look at. And I came down, looked at him, liked him, bought him, and the rest is history. <laughs> so he, he came to me. <laughs> And is he a full Arabian? Yeah, he's Polish. He's pure Polish. And I don't know much about his 
a pedigree since I'm not a pedigree person, but I know uh-huh. that his sire is named Pro- Probot. That's all I know. Oh, okay. And so how many years have you been writing him? Uh, he's a, we're a decade team. So he and I have done 12 years together and <laughs> my wife, Judy inherited him from me because she doesn't have a horse to ride. And I got a new mare that I'm riding and bringing along a, a new, she's nine, just turned nine. So for the last two years, Judy's been riding him. And so she's, uh, I haven't done an endurance ride on him since 2017, which is kind of weird, but that's okay because he's helping her. Oh, good. Good. So tell us some of, you know, I know you've had a lot of fun adventures with him. Give us some, uh, give us a rundown on some of your more uh, memorable adventures that you've had. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Let's see. Um, (laughs) uh, Boy, let's see. There's a couple of areas The the thing that, that, so there, I've done a lot of rides on him. I mean, it, we've done, he's done Tevis. He's finished Tevis four times out of five. And I'd ridden Tevis several times before I rode it on him. And the first time I did it on him, it was, I was on a different planet because he, there's with him, there's no drama. You just go. He's like a little machine or a little motorcycle. You know, you, every other horse I've ever ridden has always had something you have to think about or worry about. And him, it's, there's no thought when you ride them, you just go. And it's an experience I had never really felt before. And so, uh, we went through Tavis the first time and, and it didn't, I didn't even feel it. He didn't even feel it. Um, so he's done again, finished it four times. Um, he does multi days. He's done, we've done four days of death Valley a bunch of times. He's mm-hmm. done lots of multi days. Um, he, he is not afraid of anything. He leads, he goes behind. Uh, he's I'm trying to think of adventures. Uh, I've just, I've just had so many good rides on him that, uh, he's, he's just when, when the thing about him that's so different than any other horse I've ever ridden is that, that, that we're connected somehow. It may sound corny and weird, but you know how you talk about a connection with your horse. I've ridden a ton of horses. In fact, I didn't have a horse for many years. I just rode everybody else's for years. I didn't even own a uh-huh. horse. And when I started riding, when I started riding him, we, we ended up, I think what I want him to do. And he does it. it it's it, again, it sounds ridiculous, but there's this weird bond or this weird oneness that I've never had with another horse. We, and, and I have a short story to describe if you, this will take a couple of minutes, but it's okay. a really good example of, of him and me and what it means to, to our relationship. So I'd ridden him for many years and a lot of miles and Judy, I had knee surgery and Judy was going to ride him. And she rode him in Tevis and she finished the course. And her comment was, this is a nice horse. But, um, uh, first time she rode him, we went out in our park in our, from our house in our loop in the park. And I was on another horse and she was behind me and she said, what's wrong with your horse? He won't walk. I said, what do you mean? He won't walk. She goes, look at him. Uh, look, I turn around and he'd take three steps to walk and then start trotting. And she'd haul him back three steps of walk and she'd haul him back. And, and she said, this is ridiculous. He won't walk. And I said, no, that's not right. Something's going on. Let me, let me see. So I hop off my horse and I hand her to her Judy and I hop onto Donnie and, and as God is my witness, I sit on his back and he drops his head and he goes, shakes his head, licks his lips and walks off. <laughs> and he, he said, he said, thank you. Thank goodness. She's off my back. 
and you're back, you know, you're on Aww. me now. And he was perfect. He was, he was perfect. You know, he was flawless. And, and the first thing Judy said is what am I doing wrong? You know, that's what, that's exactly what she should have said because she was cueing him. She was telling him something with her seat that was different than what he was used to. Uh-huh. He and I know each other so much. You, you don't, again, I control him with my, I can just twitch a leg muscle and I can stop him. I can stop him from a, a trot, a fast trot by just sitting on the seat. And wow. he knows me and I know him. And it was just a really funny example of, of the relationship you have with your horse. He was just saying, you know, God, thank goodness it's you. I just, it always <laughs> made me cry. It was so funny. Aww. It was really cool. And so, so she figured it out. She said, Oh, I'm doing something wrong. Let me see. It. I'm making him go. And, and now they have a great relationship and they have a good time because they know each other. But it was a really cool example of, of what he and I have. You know, uh-huh. he, 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 the horse knows you. It was really cool. We've yeah, had, he, we've all had dates like that in our past, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, I never have. I'm sorry, I never have. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I tell, I tell people that, uh, boy, aside, aside from my wife, uh, this animal is—he's my son, and he's—he's he's more than just a horse. And someone said, "Well, which is more important, your wife or him?" And I sort of go, hmm, "I don't know." Never ask a horse person that question ever. That's. <laughs> Oh God! Yeah. No, but the thing that the thing that makes him that's so amazing about him and so special is all the hurdles we've had to overcome. I mean, we—he's uh, just—he's a phenomenal horse. And after his first two years, you know, he finished all his rides and we've done stuff. And he's like a little uh, dog in the pasture. In the morning, he'd go out and run laps around the pasture. You know, you know how dogs dig holes around the fence line sometimes uh-huh. in your backyard. Well, Donnie would just go out. The other horses are standing in the middle of the pasture, just looking at him. And he's out running laps around the yard, around the, the pasture, because it feels good. Oh. And my neighbor used my neighbor used to get up and watch him because it looked it looked so cool. He goes, "I love watching your horse do that." He's just before breakfast, he goes out and runs, and and he fell down. He he fell down one morning, and my neighbor called me and said, "Your horse fell down and he's limping." And I went, "Oh!" So I ran up there, and he was he fell down and tweaked himself, and so it it took a year for that to heal. He was, he was actually, I didn't ride him for almost, it was the only year I think I didn't ride him in endurance Oh wow! because he, it took him a year, it took him a, a year to heal and he came back and he, he made it back. It was wonderful. He did a couple more thousand miles and then he had his mystery ailment. I was riding in, um, the first time he got pulled was at Tony Neal team, which he'd done the hundred there, I think nine times or something. And, and at mile 55, he just dropped his head, just bloop, and he just was he bonked. He didn't want to go on. He passed the bet check. He was in perfect condition, but he, he wasn't him. Something was wrong. Uh-huh. So I stopped, of course, took him back to the truck and, and we didn't know what happened. And so we gave him time off. And then it happened at, um, Tevis, same thing at chicken hawk, Bloop, passed the bet check, but he just didn't want, he just was done. Uh-huh. And I did like something was wrong. So I tried one more time and he got pulled at uh, another whiskey town ride. But this time I brought, I got blood with me. I brought nine syringes, got blood the night before the ride, the morning of the ride, the first vet check, when he bonked afterwards on the way home, I took it to Davis. They did the whole thing. Nothing. Perfect oh. blood. Perfect, perfect. Everything. Perfect electrolytes. It was a total mystery. I spent $4,000 on diagnostic diagnostics. Nothing. The Davis people said, boy, can we buy this horse? He's really good. I said, no, you can't buy him, but there's nothing <laughs> wrong with him. You know, I, wow. And so I was just at a total loss. And 
I talked to Melissa Ribley, my great friend, uh-huh. endurance vet for forever. And, and she talked me through what was different. Something had to change. And it and make a long story short, it turns out that I didn't notice that he stopped drinking early in the ride. He just quit doing it because he always drinks at every water trough. He's a machine. He's just metabolically perfect. And he stopped drinking and I didn't notice it. I wasn't paying attention and he was becoming dehydrated and not feeling well. And so she put me on an electrolyte program to stimulate electrolytes do two things. They replace body salts and they trigger the thirst impulse in a horse Mm -hmm. because a horse drinks because of excess salt in their blood. And so electrolytes helped him start drinking and I took him out and started on her program. I've never really used electrolytes. And so I started putting them in them before, during and boop, light switch back. That was it. Started drinking immediately. And that was 3000 miles ago. That was 3000 miles ago. And then the coup de gras was in 2015. We fed our horses hay for an entire year that we didn't know how to poison weed in it. And we killed our young mare killed our young mare, almost lost Wabi. He was two weeks away from dying and the rest of them, including Donnie got really, really sick. And that was a miserable year that he, uh, that he recovered. He came back from that and he's now done 1800 miles, including two 100 since then. So the fact that the fact that he just keeps, he just keeps coming back from, from problems that you have with horses and his, his attitude and the fact that he's just happy to haul Judy around now and, and, um, I, everyone I ride with is just always amazed. I show off on them on the trail. I show people I can control the speed without reins or a bridle or anything. It's just, uh-huh. he's just an, he's an amazing horse that it sounds pretty cool. It's worked, it's worked, worked out perfectly because he's just a joy to ride. And my problem now I'm on my new mare, Sorcia, who's a, a powerful, big, really potentially great horse. I ride her like I ride him and I, just, I get myself in trouble because I lull myself into relaxation and she'll spook and off I'll go. You know, I, I just, Uh-oh. I got, I got to pay attention. I got to pay attention to riding a new horse. I, I forget what it's like to ride a different horse because I'm so ingrained in my little, uh-huh. my little machine that, that I've ridden for so long. So, so that's sort of a, uh, I guess that's sort of a description of what he means. Yes. Yes. He sounds like a pretty cool horse. So, um, he is. So, and I know you're doing a, uh, putting on an endurance clinic coming up, mm-hmm. aren't mm-hmm. you? Tell us about that. Sure. Um, I invented a new type of clinic last year because I've always been involved with uh, getting new riders into the sport, mentoring and helping people and doing fun rides. And I invented a clinic that was, it's basically an endurance ride for anybody who can enter it. Any horse, any trail horse with no endurance experience can come and do an endurance ride that's safe for the horse and the rider, and they will leave that weekend knowing not what endurance is, but how to do it. We actually take them on an endurance ride. We send them out on the trail with hosts, experienced endurance riders, Barbara White, you know, that kind of people, and they learn how to do it. They get every aspect of a real ride, including five hours of lecture on Saturday. Uh, and then, then we finish it off with this, these two fun rides, a seven mile ride and a 15 mile ride that are true endurance rides. And the seven is an LD ride. The 15 is an endurance ride. We have the same rules. We have uh, head vets. Uh, Susan McCartney was my vet last year. Melissa will be the vet this year. We have real vet checks, lunch breaks, timers. Uh, I even do best condition on a seven mile ride that you can walk and uh-huh. they get blankets. 
Wow. So we draw horse, we draw horses at random for the best condition because there's no time. We have strict speed limits. So we, we make it an event that if you come to this event with any trail horse, when you leave, once your horse is conditioned and you learn how to condition your horse in the clinic, you can do an endurance ride. And it was a huge success last year. And so we're doing it again in May in San Jose. Then I've got one lined up for Southern California next year in 2020. Oh, good. And so it's, um, it's sort of, sort of, uh, it sort of hit, it worked really well. Terrific. And so that it's in San Jose and what's the date? Uh, the weekend of May 18th. Oh, okay. Good. Good. Well, Nick, Congratulations again to you and to Donnie. He sounds like an mm-hmm. amazing, uh, one of those once-in-a-lifetime horses. We're so excited yeah. that you won the Partners Award. Yeah, it's, it's neat to, to get that, that uh, kind of, what, universal recognition, uh-huh. I guess, because uh, uh, I didn't know it was coming. You know, I, I'm not, I guess oh. I'm not surprised because he and I have history, but they did a good job of keeping it from me. They, they oh, were good. You know, they, <laughs> they, they did. I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know until he called Gretchen up there to announce it. And I thought, Oh boy. You know, and, and it was, <laughs> it was pretty special. It was pretty special. That was awesome. Good job. Congratulations mm-hmm. to you Thanks. guys. Our next guest is Mike Mumford from Redmond Equine and I invited him on to talk about a daily gold. It has now been five years since my horse Bo had colic surgery and I've had Bo and my other horse chief on daily gold uh, every day since then with really good results. And I have seen lately on social media, especially that there's been a lot of misinformation getting spread around about some of the, the Redmond products. And so I wanted to get Mike back on here to tell us a little bit about the benefits of their products, as well as dispel some of the myths that are out there. So welcome, Mike, and good morning. Good morning, Karen. Well, let's start with the Daily Gold. Tell us a little bit about it. So we own a mine in central Utah near Salina in a little town called Redmond. And so we have a salt mine here and this salt mine is covered with 30 feet of volcanic ash, which has enabled it to stay, all the salt to stay much closer to the surface than many other salt mines where the water from thousands of years has pulled it down deep into the earth. So our salt mine is really on the surface and it's covered by this volcanic ash which is our bentonite clay, our daily gold. Um, there's a lot of different qualities of the clay, and we have uh, human uh, clay. We have uh, a bentonite clay for uh, agricultural animals, and we have our daily gold for our horses. It's a specific proprietary blend of minerals that seems to work really well with certain situations that um, uh, our horses have. So do you want me to go into uh, how the Daily Gold can help our horses? Sure, yes. So the, so the real benefit of the Daily Gold is that it, uh, it's got a high pH, so it buffers acid. And I think, as you know, Karen, a lot of our horses get very anxious. In actual fact, I think a lot of our competing horses, 78% of our horses, uh, develop a lot of acid, have a lot of stress, and end up with ulcers, which is really mm-hmm. a shame. And so what we try and do is say, hey, we've got something that maybe can help with this. 
We've got a product, this Daily Gold, it's got a pH of nine. It helps buffer the acid, settle the horses down, and really enable them to focus on their job instead of worry about the pain in their stomach. So right, right. Um, what, what, what this does is it, it really helps to enable the horse to do their job and not be affected internally by all the acid that may be washing around there. Right, right. I know it's worked wonders on my horses. They're happy and healthy. And I mean, I'm, you know, knocking on wood, it's been five years and Bo has not had a single reoccurrence of, you know, any type of colic or discomfort or anything. And he's done, you know, thousands of miles of endurance, including Tevis three more times. And I've used the daily gold syringes with him on Tevis, um, which I think helps keep him you know, comfortable and, and happy. So, I mean, I'm definitely very pleased with the res- the results that I've seen firsthand in, in my horses. So let me ask you about some of the myths and some of the misinformation that I've been seeing on social media, you know, recently. And the first one is about the iron content. People seem really worried about iron overload with their horses. Well, and I think that's a really viable uh, worry. Mm-hmm. I think that we we all do the best with our horses and we try uh, to understand what the best nutritional uh, uh, intake is for them. And uh, sometimes we, we get fed so much information, we really don't know what we need to be doing for our horses. And let me tell you, I don't mind if if uh, if if you think you know what's good for your horse, um, and Daily Gold will fit that, terrific. If it doesn't, that's okay by us because we want to do what's best for you and your horse. Mm-hmm. We're not here to try and sell a product necessarily, but to try and make make the horse as healthy as possible. Um, the myth about the iron is it's really interesting, but the FDA um, encourage or <laughs> mandate that we put out the mineral content of our products, whether it's our crushed salt or our uh, daily gold and with the daily gold there does appear to be a lot of iron content in that from the sda assay the the thought about it is what that doesn't tell you is what the bioavailability of that iron through the gut is and so th- they're kind of confusing because it it suggests that that amount of iron that you see in the assay is the amount of iron that your horse is receiving when, it, when you give him the two ounces a day of daily gold. That's not the case. A lot of those um, minerals in there may be insoluble. They may not be chelated, meaning easily digested by the uh-huh. horse. And so I think uh, there's an awful lot of the mineral iron that is not digested by the horse. And we have uh, our animals in Utah, it's been on... They've been on this daily gold here for uh, tens, if not a hundred years, and we've never had any issues whatsoever um, with too much iron from our, any of our products, our, our, our human salt, our uh, crushed salt, or our daily gold. So I think it's a little bit confusing sometimes. I'm not a scientist. I don't pretend to be a vet. I'm a marketing salesman. Uh-huh. If you need more information on this, you can go to the web. You can go to give us a call. We'd love to have some of our uh, more informed science-orientated guys explain this. 
There is an article on our website that tells you about the iron in our uh, Roman rush, uh, crushed uh, salt that can explain that. Um, I think, Karen, you may have seen that article. Right, I did. And that uh-huh. helps explain with the salt. But with the clay, there's more iron in the clay, but it is not bioavailable. So the horses, the, the owners don't need to worry about that at all. Okay. And what about, you know, some of the people are concerned about the absorption of other supplements that they're feeding? Yeah, that's a really good point. And our clay has got a terrific ability to bind toxins. And so when we talk about toxins in the gut, we're talking about poisons, basically. Maybe your horse has been eating some moldy hay or some um, obnoxious weeds or uh, some some things that are not good for the not uh, healthy and they're more poisonous for the horse. Uh-huh. This clay will bind it and pull it out. So people say, "Oh well, then can I feed it with the supplements that I'm currently feeding?" If the supplement is a drug-based pharmaceutical type supplement, it's recognized uh, as a poison by the clay. And so it will bind with it and it'll pull it out. So we would suggest you don't feed the clay if you're feeding that supplement, or if you really want to feed the clay, give it about two or three hours difference and enable that Uh supplement, that uh, drug to be absorbed by the body um, before you give it the clay. If you give it the clay with the drug, the clay will bind with that drug and it will pull it out just like it will with a noxious weed or a um, moldy hay. But if you give it separately, like two or three hours, right. the horse can absorb both and it can gain the benefit of both. Okay, All no, the other supplements that aren't drug-based or pharmaceutical are fine. Okay. And what about affecting um, mineral absorption? Does it, does it kind of... Uh, no. Not at all. It won't affect the, no, I mean, if you're, if you're feeding the daily gold with a mineral supplement, no problem whatsoever. It's only those pharmaceutical drugs that we're concerned about. Okay. Okay, good. And so we are going to also have a kind of a, a giveaway contest today for our listeners, which is kind of cool. So we're going to pick five winners. Um, Mike is going to do the I guess the selection based on people submitting stories about their experience using daily gold or or another Redmond product. Yeah. And actually we're going to, um, we'll give five prizes of uh, between probably 60, $75 worth in value um, to uh, each of these five winners. And all we would ask you to do is to fill out the share my story uh, questionnaire that, um, where is that, Karen? Is that on it's, your site? Um, it's on redmondequine.com and then go scroll down to the bottom where it says uh, your story. Yeah, so, share my uh, story. Just just click on that, um, answer those four questions, and uh, we'll choose uh, five of the winners and send you a really super um, care package of our products. Great. Might even, might even include a hat. Free. Yeah. <laughs> well, not only that, if that much of your product means it's about 100 pounds. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah we, we're actually quite generous with our care packages because we want people to try everything that we've got. We believe that if you try it, you'll like it. I so. bet you the UPS people hate you. They just got to hate your deliveries. <laughs> my guy, my guy, like last time he brought, he brought it up to the porch and he was like, 
what the heck is in here? <laughs> Literally, it's a rock. Yeah, I said rocks. Rock. That's what I told him. Yeah. <laughs> they must yeah. think we're all weird so horse that, people. With that daily gold, Karen, I think you know it well. And, and this, is one, this is one thing that um, I struggle with a lot of horse owners is that they try and feed it dry on their supplements. And that doesn't work for a couple of reasons. First of all, it isn't the most palatable of products, and some picky horses will pick between it and leave it in the bottom of the bucket. And I believe that um, our horses need to be as hydrated as much as possible. So I always like to produce a, a sloppy stew, if you like, a sloppy mess, and I include the Daily Gold in that in their feed bucket, and then they just gobble the whole thing up. And I think you probably do the same, don't you? Yes, yes. I, I like to give them you a wet mash soup? at least. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 They yeah, gobble it. They gobble it down. That's for sure. All right. So yeah. the contest so it always works better when it's wet. So the contest is at redmondequine.com. Scroll down till you see "Tell Your Story" and fill it out. And five share, people share are going to get share your story. And five people are going to get uh, cool stuff from Redmond Equine. Thank you, really Mike, for joining stuff. us. We appreciate it and clearing yes, up thanks, some of the Mike. some of the misconceptions. And if anybody wants to see what rides are available all over the United States, just go to the AERC ride calendar at aerc.org and you can search by, uh, go to the calendar and search by region and go see what rides are coming up near you and go ride everybody. All right, and for links to today's guests and show notes, you can go to horsesinthemorning.com. If you scroll down to the middle of the page, you'll see a whole bunch of uh, little logos for our, all our monthly episodes. And Endurance is on there. Just click on that and bring up all of Karen's past episodes, which is a lot of them now. So uh, you can listen to any one of the past episodes there. Uh, you can follow uh, Horse Radio Network, of course, on Twitter at Horse Radio. You can become an auditor for as little as a dollar a month and join the Super Secret Auditor Club. Uh, which, as Karen will tell you, is very active. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> a very active Facebook page. So but you, it's nice. Everybody plays nice there. Yeah, there's no negative. It's not like it's the not, endurance it's page. It's not, not, no, definitely not like the endurance page. It's not <laughs> like that nicer. at all. If Everybody you take the endurance the page and, and make it just the opposite, you have the auditor page. <laughs> <laughs> They're Aww. there to help each other. <laughs> I think part of, so anyway, for as little as a dollar a month, you also can join the Inside Club and help support the shows here at the Horse Radio Network. Uh, and all of the shows in the Horse Radio Network can be found on our app. We've had a ton of people downloading our app, too, higher than normal, so we welcome all of you. And um, we will be back tomorrow. I got good news for everybody. Jamie, finally, after moving to Oklahoma, they hooked her internet up at her house. She doesn't have to go to the in-laws with crappy internet anymore. She got fiber, and she sent me the uh, the screenshot of the download speeds yesterday and she said, is this good? She had like a gig down and a gig up. And uh, for wow. most average people, if you have regular cable, you have 40 down, which is like uh, which is a tenth or a twentieth of that. I said, your your connection's now 15 times better than our connection, and we have a good connection. That's pretty so, cool. I know I just got boosted up. Sometimes I'm getting, like, over over 90. I know. Now imagine oh, 10 times that's that. That's pretty cool. Amazing. Cool. <laughs> so, so that's what she's getting. And and cool. usually you're down is much, much higher than you're up. Up is usually pretty low. Hers is yes. the same. That's the advantage to fiber. So, nice. Uh, so and they bought a new computer. So what I'm trying to tell you is she's going to sound so much better now. She won't be cutting out all the time. So oh, and she won't have to go to her in-laws, so she'll be less grumpy. 
So that's happening tomorrow morning on the show. We'll, we'll, we'll have the virgin run of all of that new technology. We'll see how it works. Well, I hope it works better than this morning's did, Karen. I know. <laughs> all right. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you all tomorrow.